Welcome to the Yins and Y'all podcast, the podcast where we discuss sports, entertainment, life, and good old-fashioned manly stuff. I'm your host, Alex, and with me are my brothers, Sean and Lance. And Matt is off this week, gallivanting in San Diego. I mean, guys, we offer him a job on the podcast, and the first thing he does is take a vacation. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I think we're going to have a job. Yeah, well, you know, we're not going to mention what, you know, the benefits are here. Just need to know that he took a vacation the do first we get, week he's on the job. Do we get PTO time? Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, uh, wasn't, you know, it depends on what you, depends on what you, what you, uh, negotiated in the contracts. Um, uh, anyway, the Pittsburgh Steelers this week took on the Tennessee Titans in the COVID bowl makeup game and came out on top by a score of 27 to 24 to improve to six and zero on the season. And with Seattle's loss to Arizona on Sunday night, the Steelers are the only undefeated team remaining in the NFL. Also, the Patriots are two and four, so all is right with the world. So let's get into the sanctuary this week and share our thoughts on the game. Guys, what did you think about Steelers v. Titans on Sunday? Well, I thought in the first half they were, I mean, incredible. They basically, from the Cleveland game to the first half of the Titans game, they played six quarters of perfect football, and it was really exciting to watch how dominant they were. Um but in the second half, you know, Tennessee got back into the game and good teams are going to find a way to do that. I think at one point they had 17 unanswered points and were really pulling in to make a, a close game against the Steelers. Uh, fortunately, uh, Steven Goskowski, former Patriots kicker, missed a big field goal, a chip shot field goal. I think it was 43-yarder. And uh, the Steelers sneak away with a victory here. But you got to be excited about this team because I think we were talking about this in our in our text messages was in years past, they would find a way to lose that game and they would have found a way to lose that Denver game where Denver kind of surged in the second half. But they found a way to finish and they got the win. It wasn't the prettiest win that they've had, but they got a win and that's all that matters. Sean, what are your thoughts on the game? And if, if you hear a little cooing in the background, that's uh... – Sean's newest addition to the family. He's joining the podcast this week, so y'all just uh, just go along with us in that regard. So, Sean, what do you think about the game? Yeah, a little guy here's got some real deep insights on the game. <laughs> uh, but really, it was a tale of two halves, right? Like Lance said, they were dominant in the first half. Certainly uh, took the foot off the gas in the second half, and and I believe I saw a stat that the Titans had four come-from-behind victories yeah. so far this year. So that's certainly the type of game that they've been playing. Uh, obviously, that one came back to bite them. But to me, they, they, the Steelers really lost the track of this game with that ending sequence in the first half where you know they get the ball back with, I believe, 14 seconds left after the Ray, Ray McLeod uh, long punt return. And Eric Ebron goes offside. So now you're at the 37-yard line. And to me right there, there's enough time to, to throw across the middle even and line up and spike it. But you you would definitely want to look to throw outside. But I, I thought the whole field was available. You'd get a spike in probably with you know less than three seconds and, and get your three points and get out of there. But instead, they go to a Hail Mary where – for me, you try that outside the numbers pass, try to get out of bounds. If it's an incomplete pass, then you still have the Hail Mary potential there on second down. And they, they threw away those three points. 
it was a throwaway interception, and it just seems like sometimes when when quarterbacks throw those giveaway interceptions, it leads to more. And, and the Steelers were certainly liberal with with giving the ball to the Titans. Ben threw three interceptions, but they almost lost three fumbles. If you can remember, Chase Claypool on the on the end around uh, fumbled the ball and recovered it. James Conner had a fumble that he recovered, and then Ben's. Uh, wild backwards pass to Connor that uh, really mm, you yeah. know, could have been a fumble. So they were really playing hot potato with that ball on the road against a very good Tennessee team. I think they were lucky to uh, get out of there with a win. There's certainly, they have things to clean up, but they're six and zero and moving on to uh, face their division rivals in the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. So I, I can't really add a whole lot more to the game other than to say that, that Ben's got to protect the ball better. He knows that. He's a veteran. And I think sometimes when he gets into a groove or gets really comfortable is when he tends to just start slinging things. I did not like the play call at the end of the first half, like Sean said, because like you, there's enough time there to, to throw a pass. You've got to imagine the Titans are covering the sidelines because they don't want you to do that. So you throw something in the middle, you run up, you spike it, you have two, three seconds left. That's plenty of time to get out there and snap it and let Boz take a shot. And even if you don't, uh, you know, it would have been a, maybe a 53-yard field goal, which is no chip shot, but it is Boswell. He, he, he has been good over the years, um, and odds are that he's going to make that field goal. It's, an, it's not an easy one, but there's more likelihood of getting some points there than just throwing a Hail Mary to the end zone. So I didn't really like that. And from that point on, it really got Ben out of his groove the offense didn't do anything in the second half. They were pretty pathetic. And really, you have Ben who who ends each half with an interception. And the, the uh, second half interception almost was enough to force overtime. And I, you know, I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to throw the ball to Juju. You like Juju in that situation. Looking back at the play, it looks like triple coverage. Um, if he throws the ball a little bit higher, does Juju come away with it clean and can he get in bounds? Maybe. But I think if you're Ben there, if you're going to miss, you got to miss high. You either throw it over Juju completely or you throw it high enough where Juju's the only person that probably gets it. Instead, you know, Juju gets it in his hands, it gets knocked out and intercepted, and then the Titans are able to march it down the field and have an opportunity to tie the game, which fortunately they missed that field goal. So, They've got to clean up that a little bit. Um, they got to work on playing the full 60 minutes. Um, the Browns game was the first game where we haven't had to sweat out uh, a finish in I don't know how long. And, you know, they jump out onto the Titans, and you think, oh, yeah, this is going great. And what do we have to do? But we have to sweat that thing out to basically the last, you know, 15 seconds. So this week they got the Baltimore Ravens. Um, always a difficult game. This is a division rival. The Ravens are coming off a bye, so they're fresh. They've had a week, an extra week to prepare. Um, I think they're five and one on the season. The Ravens and Steelers are six and zero. Oh. So, guys, what are your thoughts uh, on this game? I think let's see. Uh, we all predicted a loss for this game, so preseason prediction loss. This would be the first loss of the season if that's the case. What are your thoughts on the Ravens game this week? Oh, well, I'm taking back my loss. I'm, I'm letting the mojo keep working. Um, I, I think a lot of times when you see these games where, like, the Steelers did not have the best second half, 
you know, they're happy to get the win, but they're also humbled in a way. And I think that changes how they prepare. I mean, it's Ravens week. They're going to get up big for Ravens week. But one of the things Tomlin mentioned in his press conference today was that he talking about, you know, how the game went in the second half was that there was opportunity for the players to learn uh, how to finish games, to not take their foot off the gas. And there was an opportunity for the coaching staff to prepare them to succeed because, they, had, they did not expect A.J. Brown to play, and he said that we didn't do enough uh, work preparing for him. And mm-hmm. he, you know, he's the guy who really led the Titans back into it. He had a big splash play at the end of the first half, um, and then I think he had over 130 yards receiving on the day. So he had a really big game. Half of that, was, more than half of that came on the one touchdown catch. Though. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he, he just kept moving the sticks down the field for him in the second half. And so that that's the type of, you know – player i mean that those types of plays can win you a game and it, it came really close but i think the steelers are going to be okay they're going to show up it's ravens week it's going to be a tough uh tough game but at the end of the day i'm riding with big ben not lamar jackson all right so lance is taking the steelers sean uh, i'm going to stick with what i said in the preseason a uh, couple reasons baltimore was on by so so they've had extra time to prepare for the Steelers, and you know the Steelers do have some new wrinkles in their offense. They've they've thrown a lot of motion, and 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 a lot of uh, wide receiver uh, end around runs and think just a lot of different things that you haven't seen. And you know they're more of a dink and dunk offense. Obviously, Ben tried to get away from that, and I think hopefully he'll learn from that because they don't need the gunslinger. There'll be moments where they'll need that, but I think. The, the Steelers are built to win defensively and to methodically move the ball. I mean, I think I saw that there were 11 different weapons that touched the ball for the Steelers. That, that's, that's insane to think that there's 11 guys worthy of getting a ball in their hands offensively. That's just unheard of depth. So I'd like to see Ben, you know, look to spread the ball around. My concerns are with Lamar Jackson. The Steelers' defense, while very good, has ha, has allowed some big splash plays. Lance mentioned the one on A.J. Brown's long touchdown rece- reception. Miles Sanders had a long run against them when we played Philadelphia. And that's what the Ravens thrive off of. And, and if Lamar Jackson is an athlete that hasn't been seen in the NFL since Michael Vick. Uh so I think just the Baltimore having that extra week to prepare is going to benefit them. And the Steelers, they're not going 16-0. and It's okay to lose this game. Obviously, you don't want them to. I hope they win. But, you know, I usually put the Steelers down to split with Baltimore every year, and that, that usually plays out to be true. And I'm going to go uh, keep my preseason prediction of a loss as well. Um, they will take on the Ravens again on Thanksgiving night. You assume that'll be the night game. Uh, and that will be a home game on Thanksgiving. So they're away in Baltimore. I don't know if Baltimore is allowing any fans in the stadium yet or not. But uh, Very for all limited. The, yeah. So, I mean, but they'll still have some people there, yeah. um, which will help Baltimore, you would imagine, with crowd noise, um, even if it is limited. Um, this being – a big rivalry game, a division game. Obviously, if the Ravens win, they're going to pull even with the Steelers in the division, which is going to be big for them. Um, But it's the middle of the season. And so if the Steelers drop this one, it's not the end of the world. It'll be a close game. I don't expect it to be too high scoring. 
I do think that the Steelers offense can 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 I mean excuse me the Steelers defense can contain Lamar Jackson and if they're able to make him throw the ball then I like the Steelers chances if you're gonna you know make Lamar Jackson beat you I think you have to try to make him beat you through the air rather than him making plays with his legs and um, you know our, our secondary has been better the last couple of weeks but we're banged up hopefully Mike Hilton comes back. Although I thought Cam Sutton played pretty well in 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 his as a replacement for him, you know he let up a, a touchdown, but I don't know if that was necessarily his fault. There were some coverage things there with Minka. I thought Minka had a a poor game against the Titans. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he needs to improve. Came off a big game against the Brown where he, Browns, where he finally said, "Oh, there he is," um, and then he backed it up with a, a pretty poor performance. I thought against the Titans. So hopefully he'll be back to his better better days. Um, and we'll see what this what the Steelers defense can do against a guy like Lamar Jackson because the the reality is he's in their division and they're going to have to see him twice a year and they're going to have to figure out a way to beat him. Um, so it'll be a good game. It always is. Hopefully the Steelers come out on top, but I'm going to stick with my preseason pick of a loss. All right, and, Lance, I know. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, before we move on from the Steelers here, you know, I brought up Eric Ebron and his false start. And, and Ebron's been with three NFL teams in seven years. And I, I'm just curious to see your guys' take on him. I think I've been <clears throat> pretty disappointed with him. I, I see a lot of mental errors. I've seen, a, you know, a few drop balls. He's had a fumble. That false start that you just can't have it in that situation, you know, I I expected him to come in and, and be a weapon, and I and I think him and Ben are, are developing more chemistry as the weeks progress. But he really needs to clean up his game. There's just too many little mistakes that add up and can prove costly when when you get into these games like playing a Baltimore, where you know if you, you throw away three points, well, we've seen how tight these Baltimore Ravens games have been in the past. That could cost you a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're paying nice. him two years, fifteen million bucks. I mean, he's he's not on a cheap, you know, veteran deal or anything. They're expecting him to come in and and play well. And to, to your point, Sean, he hasn't developed the the catches from Ben. And you can look around and say, okay, well, that's just because there's a plethora of weapons, and you know, maybe he's running a little decoy. But on the other side of that, he when he's gotten his chance, he's had the fumble, he's had the false start. Uh, he had a penalty, you know, last week as well. He's had a, a, a good a bit of penalties. So I'm hoping that we will see him improve throughout the year because I think, you know, the better he is on the team, um, it's, it's, it's a plus for that offense. Yeah, I think for me the jury's still out on him. Um, they're, they're six games into his Steelers career. He's, learned, he's still learning the office. He's still learning Ben. He's learning his other teammates. So I think there's got to be a little time given to the guy to gel. I think the place where I'm maybe most disappointed, and this may not be his fault really, is red zone red zone production for him. I kind of expected him to be a red zone weapon, and he hasn't really been used in that situation. And again, that may not be his fault, um, but that's really where I expected to see him get a lot of passes. He, he's a big guy, you know, throwing those back corner fades type of thing. Same thing with, with Chase Claypool. You think they'd do that. They've kind of used Claypool in a, in a different sense in the red zone where they've used these jet sweeps relying on his speed, which has worked really well. Um, but, 
you know, where's that big threat that we need? You know, Claypool, we think, would be it downfield, but he's had a couple of jump balls that he hasn't come down with. Um, so I, I'd kind of like to see Ebron step up. He did make a really nice catch on a long third down. I think it might have been a third and 12 in that Titans game where Ben threw it pretty high, and he went up and got it. Um, and that was impressive because I think if he doesn't catch that ball, that's probably an interception on Ben because he threw it way up there. So that was impressive, and I'd like to kind of see stuff like that in the red zone, giving him some of those shots in the back corner of the end zone and see what he can do. So we'll see how how, uh, Ebron does. I think, you know, it's these kind of guys, these kind of players that make the difference in a game like against Baltimore because you can focus on those those big stars that you know you're going to have to focus on, and it's what kind of secondary guy is going to step up and win you the game. And so, um, you know, I'd love to see Ray Ray McLeod take one back against Baltimore. He's he's been real close to to breaking one. We finally have some excitement in the return game for the first time since Antonio Brown was returning punts. So that's awesome. And he's he's getting closer every week. So it would be great if he did that against the Ravens next week. So we'll see what happens. Okay, Lance, I know you wanted to, to discuss the uh, Seahawks-Cardinals game. On, from Sunday night, Seahawks went into the game undefeated. Their loss against the Cardinals left the Steelers the, rema- the sole remaining undefeated team in the league. So what, what are your thoughts that you want to discuss about Seahawks-Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was an awesome game. It took all the way until there was a minute left in overtime to decide a, a victor. Um, the, those two teams, um, I don't think Arizona ever held a lead in that game until they won and there had never, they were never tied at any point until they went to overtime. So, um, except for when the game started. So it was just a crazy game, but really just wanted to discuss uh, two plays that always, that really stuck out with me as like really high professional plays that I'm sure a lot of teams around the league, at least the good teams, like the Jets won't do this because they don't think to do it, but like the Steelers should, they'll, they'll show some, some highlights of that game. Number one being, uh, Arizona Cardinals, Buda Baker catches an interception from Russell Wilson. Mm. He thinks he's got a pick six. He, you know, he's a fast, you know, ran a four, four at the combine and DK Metcalf runs like 110 yards and catches him at the seven yard line. I mean, it's just an wow. incredible high effort play. That's not the type of thing you can ever teach. I mean, of course he's got the athleticism, but the effort, I mean, he mm-hmm. was so far away from him. A lot of guys would have just jogged and Hey, Hey, that's it. But he sprinted and he caught him. And it ended up being a huge swing for the Seahawks because uh, the Cardinals don't score a touchdown and they go for it on fourth and short to try and get in the end zone and they, they don't make it. So they ended up being zero points and a huge save by DK Metcalf. So that was the first play I wanted to mention. And then the second play, and this is a play I, that literally I do hope the Steelers are showing in their locker room. Uh, at the end of regulation in the fourth quarter, the Cardinals are driving to tie the game. They need a field goal and they have no more timeouts left. Uh, so at the very – they get into field goal range. Christian Kirk catches the ball. He's all the way on the left uh, sideline. And Larry Fitzgerald runs in, takes the ball from him, and sprints to the middle of the field and hands it to the official because he knows that time is running against the Cardinals. There's 10 seconds left. They have to spike it. And because he has that veteran move, he's not waiting for someone to come get the ball. He's taking it, getting it there. And they are able to spike the ball, kick the field goal, send it to overtime. And those, that's a very small play that you, you may never notice, something like that. But it's a huge play. It's the reason they ended up winning that game. If, if Fitz doesn't grab that ball and run it to the ref, maybe it doesn't get to the ref quick enough. Maybe the you know, time runs out. So I love that play. It's so smart. 
he's one of the guys that I always wanted to be a Steeler because when he was at the University of Pittsburgh, that's when I was going, going, and we had season tickets for his junior year where he just had that unbelievable. He finished second in the Heisman, and man, what a classy professional! And, and I don't know if you've noticed, Lance, but he's been doing that his entire career. That oh, yeah. he's incredible. And I and I don't know why that hasn't caught on too much. You'll see guys, you know, try to toss the ball to the ref and, and line up, but. He does. He goes over and he'll rip that ball out of anybody's hands, whoever has it, and I mean, spread it right back to the ref. It's a it's it's a smart play. Well, the thing is, that sorry, Alex, go ahead. The the thing that I notice each week, Lance, are are kind of the flip side of those things, the boneheaded plays, where I look at these guys and I go, "You've been playing this game your entire life for yeah. most of these guys, and how they still don't know the rules on things, I just it, it's beyond me." Case in point, the, the Browns game. Um, I think it's, it's coming to the end of the first half. Steelers have the ball. It's third down. They're trying to get the Browns to use their timeouts. And James Washington runs out of bounds, untouched. Yeah. Not pushed out of bounds, not forced out of bounds. He just runs out of bounds, which stops the clock and allows the Browns to save a timeout. And as soon as he does that, I go, what are you doing? Like, you haven't been playing this game your whole life to know – just fall down in the, in the field of play, make the Browns use their timeout. Yeah. And the announcer even made, it a, made a point and said, you know, that's something that needs to be discussed in the huddle before the play. And I'm like, it shouldn't have to. These guys should know the situation. They should know the rules. It's the same thing as the onside kick. Was it the Falcons and the yep. Cowboys? Oh, yeah. Where nobody touches the ball, and I'm sitting there going, how do you not know this rule? And, yeah, the coach should probably remind you, but at the same time, come on. These guys have been playing this game their whole lives. And I understand peewee football rules maybe have a little bit different rules than the NFL, but give me a break. These guys ought to know better. And it's really pathetic when a, a professional making the money that they're making don't understand the basic rules of the game. That, that's, that's sad in my opinion. Well, and that's the stuff I noticed each week. That's why I wanted to highlight that. Pittsburgh, right. Because that's such a – you know, that's a huge play for them. They don't win that game probably if he doesn't make that right. play to the ref. And it's, it's not right. a, it's not in the staff column, but that's something that they're highlighting in film, I guarantee it. And I guarantee a lot of other teams around the league are doing that, especially when you think about a team like the Steelers who their biggest veteran in the receiver groups in his fourth year and he likes to make TikTok videos. You know, they're probably yeah, showing that in that room saying, I know this you're is hating, you. Get you're it to hating the Juju again, but he's been nothing but professional for the Steelers this year and you know there's a lot of high-end receivers that would be pouting in his situation where they're spreading the ball around to the rookie yeah. James Washington has That's a day true. Deontay Johnson and you know what he does whenever one of his teammates scores a touchdown he's he the first person yeah. over there I, to I, celebrate with that guy so I mean I guarantee yeah. it's costing him a lot of money so it is but you know what he, he's he's there to win and He's always been that way. Off the field, yes, he can be immature, but he's been nothing but professional when he's been on the field for the Steelers. Yeah, but, I'll, but I'll, I'll give him credit. But but at the same time, the Steelers are have been good about spreading the ball around. Juju had his day. It was mm-hmm. game. If you remember, it was game one. What he, he had, had a good, two, three touchdowns. Yeah, game one, he had a, he had a good know? game. This and then week. he had a good game this week. It came. It comes back around. That's how Ben seems to cycle through guys. You know, it's. You there's watch, just a lot of weapons. Right. There's a lot of weapons. And That's typically, what they're built. 
one guy's going to have a big game, and then somebody else is going to have, you know, he's going to spread well, the, the defense ball amongst can the only other take guys. Away so right. Many guys. Exactly. I mean, look, we lived through the AB and Le'Veon Bell, and those were two of the most productive athletes that I've seen play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what did that get you? Nothing. This team can beat you many different ways. And if one guy has an off day, well, they got four other good receivers behind that guy that can make plays. They're not reliant on Juju. They're not reliant on Eric Ebron or Chase Claypool. They're reliant on the group as a whole and for Ben to facilitate the offensive, the offense correctly and, and, and to choose the right reads. And, and he's doing that and he's spreading the ball around. But, and, and they're also not taking a pounding every game, which right. is nice. You know, you don't it see Le'Veon nice. Bell who's taking 45 touches, and by the time they get to the playoffs, he's hurt. Dead. He's you know? done. And so, you know, Vance McDonald has barely featured. He's caught, he caught a few balls uh, uh, Sunday. But look for him to be big later on down the road. You know what I mean? When, when the season's long and guys, and guys are beat are up, beat up. Yep. man, Vance can lay the wood on some folks. And, and I would expect to see him with the game where he has one or two touchdowns. So I like this offense. I like what they're doing. Lance, <laughs> I appreciate you highlighting those, uh, yeah. those couple of plays. Anything yeah, else before one, we move my, on? My I got, oh, go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say I have one more bonehead decision made and this is by an NFL coach. I don't know if you were watching the Bears uh Rams game last night, but it's at the end of the first half, the Bears have one timeout, they're on defense. They stop the Rams at around their the Rams own 30-yard line somewhere in there. There's 14 seconds left and they don't call timeout. They let the clock just run out. Mm. Why in the heck when you can't put any points on the board offensively, would you not at least want them to kick the ball? And, yeah, maybe they kick it out of bounds, but, you know, maybe they botch the snap. Right. Maybe they do kick it to you and you return it to the house. But, you know, they're not letting you take the time out into the second half. I don't – that that kind of stuff just is dumb. I, I You know, so it's not just the players that make bonehead situational decisions. Yeah. These coaches make them too, and it just blows your mind. Yeah, I agree. And it's easy for us. We're sitting on the couch and we're not thinking about a dozen different things that they're probably thinking about on the sideline. But I think poor decisions like that filter down to your team. Yeah. When they, cause it ultimately it says this coach doesn't care about winning. Like if he's not well, going to give he us just 14 doesn't have seconds, right, he doesn't have the confidence. If he's not going to give us 14 seconds to try to put something up on the board, try to get a field goal, something block, the you punt. know, block the punt, muff the snap, whatever. Um, then you know, I think that kind of trickles down to the players, and you and you don't see that effort like you see from DK Metcalf. Like, make no mistake, I, I'm sure that comes from the practice, from the leadership of the head coach in Seattle, Pete Carroll. Uh, you know, that comes from the coaching staff on down. With right. you, you make that effort in yeah. practice, you you put in the work during the week, and then on the game, it's just second nature oh, that the I, you never that. never give up on the play. Well, you know, also Seattle's going into the game is undefeated where the Jets stink. And at some point, I don't care who you are, you could be the most effort player in the world. When you're 0-15 and you're going into week 16, that effort's not going to be what it was week one. I don't care who you are. So there's some of that there too. All right, let's move on now. Lance, we, we've discussed this the last couple of weeks. Lance and Matt have both decided to take on Tottenham Hotspur as their new team. And Tottenham got a win on Monday, one nothing over Burnley, so they're back to winning ways. Uh, but Lance said, 
I can't figure all this stuff out. There are a lot of different questions he had regarding Tottenham and, and just how European soccer in general works. And me being the soccer expert, I said, all right, Lance, bring me your questions and we'll try to answer them because maybe there are some of you who are out there listening who are trying to get into soccer as well and you can't figure these things out. So, Lance, what are some of the questions you've got as a new soccer fan? Well, yeah, I mean, one of my first things I'm a little bit disappointed in is that not every game is on NBC Sports yeah. or the Peacock app. So, like, it's, you have to pay for the Peacock app. You also have to pay for the CBS app. And it's, like, it's a bit ridiculous. And, and the Premier League needs to come together over there with them other leagues and create a, a network that you can buy in America because <laughs> there is there is demand for it. But I'm not spending – I'm not buying three, four apps. Yeah, uh, and so that's, not that's actually relatively new. And it's just like anything else, it always comes down to money. So NBC Sports has had the Premier League for the last several years. And up until this year, the game, all the games were on the NBC Sports Network. Now, they had like their gold package, which you had to subscribe to if you wanted to see a team like Burnley play. But if you wanted to watch usually what they call the quote-unquote big six, which are Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, um, and and uh, uh, I can't think Chelsea. Um, typically, they were always going to be on NBC Sports or NBC. This year, um, NBC has launched their own streaming app called Peacock, just like every other channel. And it, they had the bright idea that to, in a way to get people to pay for their streaming service was to put some of these games on Peacock. I am just as disappointed as you are because, number one, Peacock is not available through Roku which is what I have for all my TVs. And so I can't buy it even if I wanted to. And um, it, it is frustrating, the nickel and diming, and it all comes down to money. Now, when it comes to the other European games that Tottenham plays, you got to pay for CBS All Access. CBS bought the rights to all the European games, whether it's Champions League or Europa League. And if you want to see that, you have to subscribe on that app. So that's kind of the unfortunate thing. But as everything is, it always comes back to money. What else? Well, yes. I mean, I was just trying to figure out how all these leagues work because, I mean, Tottenham's in the Premier League. But then they had a game um, where they played against Lisk, I think is the name Mm, of the team. Lask. Lask. They beat them, but it's not a Premier League game. Right. It's like Europa League, I think I might have been. Yep. Um, so there's, and then I know that there's also, you know, the Premier League, Europa League, their UEFA League. I don't yeah. understand how they all work together. I mean, I understand they're sure. different region, regions of the continent. Right. But I don't know, understand how that all works together. Like, what is the trophy? Is it the Premier League, the Champions League? I'm just so yep. confused. I so mean, somebody's <laughs> going to need to give me a Venn diagram yeah. to figure it so, out over there. So it's not as complicated as it sounds. You can just do the it, spreadsheet. Yeah. No, I can, yeah I just want to get them yeah. an Excel spreadsheet and figure it out. But it's really not too bad. So here, here you, have, um, you have your domestic leagues. So Premier League is English. There's 20 teams in that league. Okay. And then Germany has the Bundesliga. Uh, Spain has La Liga, um, you know, all the different leagues throughout Europe. Each country has their own top flight, Premier League, whatever you want to call it. And so Tottenham is competing in that in England amongst those 20 teams. Now, the top four teams, and this is why they always talk about finishing in the top four, the top four teams in England automatically qualify for what is called the Champions League. 
And what the Champions League is, is kind of like an all-star league. All of the teams that finish in the top of their respective leagues throughout Europe all play together in what's called the Champions League. So gotcha. Italy's uh, Serie A, they get four automatic bids. La Liga gets four automatic bids. So generally the, the bigger, well-established leagues get a certain number of automatic bids. And then, like smaller countries, like so they're trying uh, to get to the Belgium the playoffs. Or, right, they try to make it. In, they have to play through a playoff system to make it in. Um, and then Their conference USA. Yeah, exactly. All right, and then what you have is the Europa League, which is kind of just the league underneath the Champions League. These for for the Premier League, it's the teams that finish five and six and seven in England make it into the Europa League. So this is one step below the champions league and you kind of have a sec the second tier teams based on how they finished in their country's league that year. Does that make sense? So Tottenham, yeah. I don't remember where Tottenham finished. I think they finished in like sixth in the premier league last season. So they automatically qualified for the Europa league, which is what they're in this year. Now, the reason why the Europa league is important is if they win the Europa league, they automatically qualify for next year's champions league. So it is important for them to try to win it because that way, even if they don't finish in the top four in their in the Premier League, they can still get into the Champions League if they win Europa League. Clear as mud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to be able to watch them. You know what I mean? Like, sure. That, I mean, they won two games in a row. I'm following on the app. I right. found uh, you know a, a blogger website that covers Tottenham exclusively. Uh, you know, I'm following them on all the socials, so all that stuff is great. Um, you know, so I'm I'm in. I want to know, but I got to watch the games, and I'm not right. spending sixty dollars a month for forty two yeah. different streaming services. I don't, I can't remember my password to my to my phone. I mean, how am I supposed to remember all these streaming services? Yeah, so, so, so the Walking Dead. So, <laughs> so, what, so what I would recommend is, uh, you know, the CBS All Access is like six bucks of six dollars and 49 cents a month so it's not bad i understand what you're saying about wanting to you know having all these different services we're gonna have to pull these there's a lot of out. there's a lot of other things on cbs a lot of other shows and stuff they have a lot of uh, really good shows on cbs so i i subscribe to it because i do want to watch champions league and i do enjoy the europa league and the nice thing is they cover every single game so you have access to every game if you choose to watch that now like i love soccer and i'll watch a lot of different games whereas you may just want to watch tottenham yeah. Uh, the benefit isn't is Cheers, isn't Cheers on Cheers CBS is on CBS All oh. Access. Yeah, there's oh, a lot of great sign stuff. Me up. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, and in the one benefit, even though we kind of feel like we're getting nickel and dimed in America, think about this: in England right now, they're having to to just watch Tottenham play in England. They're having to pay on pay per view like fourteen pounds a match, which is like what? you know twenty bucks probably. Yeah, per match. Wait till they do that to us with the NFL. Yeah. Uh, people will lose their minds, and they do that over here. So that is kind of what's going on in Europe, uh, in England right now. They're, a lot, they're boycotting it. They're, there's a lot of they're rumbling about it, especially since fans can't go to the games. And so this is a big deal. And I think that's probably why they're doing it, because they're trying to generate revenue for these teams, because um, their fans aren't in, in, the, in the stadiums right now. But at least here – we're, we actually end up having better coverage and cheaper coverage than people that live, you know, five minutes from the stadium, ultimately, which is kind of sad. Um, I guess I'll, I'll quit my complaining. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to watch Tottenham in all its forms, 
you're going to have to, uh, you know, pay for the Peacock thing and you're going to have to pay for CBS All Access. But the good thing is because Tottenham is one of the better teams and one of the more well, more well-followed teams, most of their games in the Premier League will come on NBC Sports Network, most of them. Um, and, uh, but if you want to watch them in the Europa League, you will have to do CBS All Access. Any other questions about how it all works? Uh, if, if I have any more questions, I'm going to start taking notes. Yep. All right. Well, we can come back to it at any point uh, throughout, throughout our podcasting history. And, uh, and if any of our listeners have questions, yeah, uh, feel free to, to message on our social media platforms. Obviously, Alex is the expert. And uh, we'll be able to answer any questions you might have if you're looking like Lance's to get uh, immersed into your first experience with English Premier League soccer. Yeah, and it's and to me, it's my favorite league. There's a lot of other good leagues out there. Um, Lance, the other thing I was going to tell you, and I think you may already have this, but if you subscribe to ESPN Plus, um, that's where the all the domestic cup games are on ESPN Plus. So FA oh, Cup, I- Carabao Cup. Um, so you can watch Tottenham on there if you are a subscriber on ESPN Plus anytime. I've, they... got, I've got it. Yeah, so you can see them. Uh, they've also, ESPN bought the rights to the Scottish Premier League, so they're being played on there. And they have a lot of other smaller leagues. I think they have, uh, they have the, it, the yeah, du- I'll Dutch. I'll be honest, Alex. Sorry, the one thing that confuses me the most is when I see who they're playing, I have no idea, like, which network it's going to be on. Yeah. Like, that's part of the problem is, like, I don't know all these teams like you do. Yeah. So like yeah. I'm looking Text at it, I'm them. like, why is it I can't find this game here? You know, what the heck? Where is it on? And you're like, oh, it's on, you know, Xfinity Mobile, you know, <laughs> use the, you know, use Boost Mobile and you can watch right. the game. I mean, that's the part of the problem is because there are so many different leagues and so many different TV contracts that that's, uh, yeah, makes, it, that makes it, it complicated. Are, yeah. are you I saying can't if I buy it? Are you saying if I buy Boost Mobile that I'll have access to all these games? Because I'll I'll be going out to buy one, and if you're wrong, I'm gonna be upset about. Yeah, it. Yeah, do not buy uh, Boost, Boost Mobile. Mobile That's not what is we're not saying. a po- podcast. Um, yeah, don't buy Boost Mobile. That's not what we're saying. Um, I would just say if you have questions about if a game's on, you can always text me. But Google is the best way. There's a great uh, website. It's called World Soccer uh, World Soccer Talk. They also have a podcast. Not not necessarily promoting them. We'd rather you listen to us. But they do a good job about telling you every, you know, I, I've just looked at them a lot of times to see if a game's going to be on NBC Sports or if it's on Peacock. They have it all on their website, you know, where it okay. is, what, what network it's going to be on, the, the time in the United States. So that helps, too, because it's not posted on British time. Um, so you can always go there, but you can always text me. Basically, if they're playing in Europa League, it's going to be on CBS All Access. If they're in the Premier League, it's either going to be on NBC Sports or Peacock. And if they're playing a cup game, which would be the FA Cup or the, what they call the Carabao Cup, it's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So those are your three primary networks for watching Tottenham play pretty much every game. Simple. Yeah. So yeah. you just got to sign up for all of them, unfortunately. But they're, at least none of them are super expensive at this point. So that's a good thing. All right. So we're going to exit out of the sanctuary now. Um, and we got to get moving along here. Tonight, we are going to go into what we call the Jumbotron. And this week on the Jumbotron, we wanted to give you something a little bit different. We've tried to keep the Halloween theme going during the month of October by giving you our top five scary slash Halloween movies. We've given you our top five Halloween candy. We've discussed our favorite Halloween costumes. 
And since Sean and Lance think that Halloween Town and The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown are the scariest movies around, I thought it would be fun to insert them into a scary movie and see how they would survive that particular movie. So tonight I'm going to give them a popular scary movie scenario, and they're going to tell me how they would survive in this movie. Are we there to get? Are we there together? No, we're going to you're each going to have your own movie, all right? Because awesome. cuz we got big time space guy on the pod and we're going to start with That's him, right. okay? And I, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, Sean. Um this is the movie Aliens. And this is uh this is I'm going to give you the synopsis and I and I got this synopsis from IMDb's Johnny and it says in the far reaches of space, a crew on board the the ship Nostromo are returning to Earth until they receive a distress call, an alien one. Unknown to them, they will soon take back with them the most terrifying creature in the universe, the Xenomorph, a killing machine that bleeds corrosive acid whenever anyone tries to hurt it. All alone in space, no one can hear them scream, trying to warn the rest of the galaxy of the terror that is the Xenomorph. How do you survive on board a spaceship with an extraterrestrial killing machine. What do you do? Well, I've not seen this movie, and if I use the advice from all the scary movies that I've seen over the years, I would run upstairs to a room (laughs) that has no exit and no way to defend myself, and I would get slashed. But because I have some sense of survival skill, that's not what I'm doing. First off, here's what I got to do. I got to take stock of any weapons that I can find. I'm on a spaceship that can reach the deep reaches of space. I assume that they've developed some sort of ray gun, some futuristic weaponry. These these are space marines, so they have weaponry. Okay, so I'm getting weaponry, and not because I necessarily want to blow holes in this thing because it has some kind of acid that will attack me, but... Everyone in survival issue in the survival point is going to just feel a little more confident when you have something to defend yourself. You're not running around with your bare hands against some creepy alien. So that that would be my first thing. And then look, I got to get this thing off of the ship. I'm not going to be able to beat some alien that that I'm just, I'm not going to be able to do it. I don't know the capabilities of this species. So my focus would be, I need to set traps and get this thing somehow caught and into an escape pod that I can basically launch this thing away from the ship and blow that escape pod to hell. So that's, (laughs) so you you are, so you are concerned with other, other life forms. You don't want to just jettison this thing into space so it can, no. Land, land somewhere else and kill no. other people. You, you want to take it out. Ultimately. Yeah, I'm releasing the pot. I'm blowing this bastard up. <laughs> and I'm putting on some Jay-Z big pimping. And I'm dancing around as I float back to Earth. But, man, how did they do it? I mean, I, I, you need to get some cattle prods or some kind of electric ray gun, something that, that you can do damage to this thing without drawing blood. I mean, that's the kind of weaponry that you would really want to want to have because like you said it bleeds acid that that what kills you or it's corrosive acid so it's like a, a bad battery in, in a honda civic yeah. or something so here's here's your homework this week i'm going to sign homework on the podcast and, I'm gonna and now you're alien. super busy you got to watch this and you yeah. got to see how how they survive okay it's got sigourney weaver in it so uh she is the main character 
Um, how do they survive and what would you do differently? And we're going to have a follow-up next week on the okay. pod to see, because since you've never seen it, um, well, so well, you can see whether you think what you said this week is, is, is a viable option. Okay. Now I have to say that I have actually been put in a real life situation. Yeah, actually go ahead. Share your scary, super scary story. So it was, I don't know. I was probably 13 years old and, and me and, Two of my buddies, John and Andrew, John's dad was a pastor at a church and they had a big screen TV, which back then was a a big deal. So our plan was with permission from his dad that we were going to spend the night at the church and we're playing Goldeneye and 64 style on the big screen. And we're in in a corner room of the church, ground floor, and there's windows around and then the door to the room has that that glass piece in the middle of it. So, so we're playing and we hear noises on the outside windows and, and we're, we're looking around, we're not seeing anything. So we get back to our game and all of a sudden on that glass part of the door, we hear a tap. And when we look up, there is a person (laughs) with a scream mask on the whole, the exact outfit that they wore in scream, the flowing black, and a butcher's knife. And we're 13 years old. <laughs> Alone in this church. At Alone night. in this church. So the door, John ran over, locks the door. In this room, there were all the chairs that they set out for services that were stacked up. So I, I just remember, you know, I'm swinging around the N64 remotes like I'm Michelangelo. <laughs> and the, you know, Get a nice and yeah, Andrew and John are grabbing these metal chairs, and we're sitting there freaked, freaked out. And there's no phone. We don't have cell phones back before then. Before cell phones, yeah. And John's like, I need to run down the hall to my dad's office, and I need to call my dad. And we're trying to talk him out. Like, no, he, this guy can't get in here. Let's just stay where we're at. You know, don't go out Classic there. scary I've movie mistake. Classic mistake. Yeah. Well, he doesn't listen and he goes out there. Me and Andrew stay behind. And no sooner right no sooner than ten seconds did he run out there that he screams bloody murder. So we go chasing after him, thinking he's dead. I come around the corner, he's in a kitchenette, and the guy has him held up against the wall and he's got the butcher knife raised in the air. And it turns out that this is John's older brother's friend, and they're playing a prank on us. And it was terrifying. So good for them. That's one I mean, of the best pranks ever. Basically, when they left, we called and got picked up. <laughs> and when her, when John's parents were bringing us back, John's older sister was beating the tar out of John's brother in the front yard. So we at least got some enjoyment out of that. But man, that was terrifying. Yeah, that is extremely terrifying. Um, but good prank. I mean, that I, wish, was I would have been on the other end of it. Yeah, that's honest. a great prank, but that is terrifying. All right, so Sean survived his knife. only... They used a real butcher's knife. Yeah, How survived dumb. a real scary... It's amazing, you know... It, it could have hurt somebody. It, it, well, it could have hurt somebody, but, you know, it, had y'all had a weapon or known where a weapon was, it could have gotten really bad. And 64 controllers, baby. You know? Right upside the head with an N64 controller. That, that, that wouldn't have felt good. All right, Lance, it's your turn. Fifteen years ago, 
six-year-old Michael Myers murdered his 15-year-old sister with a butcher knife. After being institutionalized, Michael escapes and returns to Haddonfield, Illinois to hunt down his stepbrother, Lance. Lance, unaware that he is related to Myers, is set to spend Halloween babysitting while his best friend babysits the kid across the street. Myers begins his killing spree, and the time is ticking as he has his sights set on Lance. Lance, how do you survive Halloween night with the death-defying Myers stalking you? Well, this is, this is, a, this is an easy one. Uh, for <laughs> okay. me, I, I mean, I got three dogs. I got 250 No, 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 no. You don't have any of that stuff. You are in – you are babysitting. You're in somebody else's house. There's, you don't have a dog. Plus, Michael Myers, he, he, he took out your friend across the street. They had a German Shepherd. He took that. He took care of that thing. Yeah, dogs. Dead. Dogs don't don't matter. Well, I mean, and, and listen, in real life, I stay strapped. Michael gets shot <laughs> twice in the leg. I call the cops if he gets up. He's going down. Bubble tap. But in this scenario where guns don't exist because we're not in America, and dogs no, no, don't guns go- exist. Well, all right. his doc his doctor shot him six times in the movie, and he just got up. Well, yeah, he doesn't die. Doctor got bad aim. Shoot him in the head. <laughs> so, all right, here's what I would do. Bulletproof um, mask. You fellows are aware that I am a uh, strong, strong individual. Got a great pain tolerance. It's you know, <laughs> had seven surgeries. I'm lucky to still be standing. I mean, Mike could probably get me with one knife, but if he, it's not an effective, like, to the jugular, he's not going anywhere. So I'm going to grab that scrawny bastard and smack his head off the wall, and, and I'll win in <laughs> hand-to-hand combat. I don't, I don't care what. I mean, you know, I'm a big hulking person. I will whoop Mike Myers' ass twice while I'm bleeding. It, no contest. So wait, your whole way you're surviving this scenario I'm beat the hell out of is, is, is fight or flight. You want my? Oh, here's my tactical. I, I mean, mean, Sean, I'm babysitting. Well, I can't leave. We first, first, first of all, we've both Mike seen Myers we've both seen Lance run, so there's no yeah. flight about it. Well, yeah, here's what I'm saying. My best Every chance movie. is to stand my ground. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would I, if if Mike came in my house, he'd get shot by at least three different guns. But in in Connecticut or wherever this takes place, I mean, all I need is my left and my right arm. Two le- two lethal weapons registered in all states. <laughs> no, Alex. <laughs> Lance, have I, you seen this movie? Oh, God, no, Alex. Come on. <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Mike Myers just simply walk? I mean, he never, he like, runs after him. He says, dude, I, I jog backwards laughing at this dude. You ain't catching me with your slow strides. Like, that's what always, like, I love the Halloween movies, but there's some corniness to them. I mean, then this dude slowly walks and stalks, and then these idiots just run upstairs. Like, well, that pace works for me. Sean. I'll just walk. Right. If he comes in the back door, I'll walk out the front door. He comes in the front door, I'll walk out the back door. See ya, Mike. You know, you're not catching me. You're walking slow as hell. All right, Sean. Well, then I'll throw you into Halloween part two. You've got a broken ankle, and you're in a, a, a hospital at night. Oh yeah, that well, that one's that's creepy, one that's man. Creepy. I mean, I'm hiding from the bastard. I mean, if if you don't know, I once made my grandmother cry, and <laughs> it wasn't until she was like, "I have to call the police," that Playing I came out of my hide and go seek spot. Yeah. So, I'm hiding from him in a in, in a huge 
Oh. Hospital? Oh. You're telling me I can't find a hiding spot to get away from this dude? Come on. Excellent. Uh, here's what I'm doing if, if Mike comes in the room. Because, I mean, these hospitals only have one one door in, one door out, you know, in the, in the rooms there. I'm taking my IV machine. I'm beating them the hell out of them. I mean, it's over. <laughs> Alex, there's only... Lance just wants to listen, box Mike Myers. <laughs> there's only one response to these kinds of people. They're not there to trade, you know cook you know recipes and hang out they're there to get What's dirty on the grill mike myers yeah yeah your your thigh that's what mike's trying to put on the grill ain't happening with me <laughs> i'm we're going hard after mike myers that's it all right so so i'm gonna fast forward you to halloween resurrection oh and you got bus arrives bus a bus makes an appearance and he like gets in some taekwondo kung fu karate match with mike myers and uh, that sounds amazing, Jason it, it, Bourne uh, style. It, it, I mean, he's he's like roundhouse kicking Mike to the face. You know, he's going, and I'm, and he gets in some good shots because you know I'm sure that was in his movie contract that he can't just like go out like a little wuss. Yeah, and uh, you know he gets in some good shots, but ultimately uh, Mike Myers just you know kicks his butt. Now he he doesn't die. He, that was also probably in his contract that he wouldn't die, just like LL Cool J doesn't die in the one he's in. The rap guys never get killed. Um, Good, but Lance, as I gave Sean homework this week, I'm going to give you homework. You got to watch Halloween, and I know you're not a scary movie guy, so I'll go easy on you. It'll be on AMC this week, and you can watch the made-for-TV version. So it won't be quite as bad. Watch but it at you, noon. You with go, all your yeah, on. with all your lights on and Hillary in the room with you. But you've got to watch it and tell us if you think taking on Mike in hand to hand combat is the best option in well, this situation. I, and we're going to follow know. up next week. I win 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> all right. We'll see what happens. All right. This, uh, go ahead. The key to a good fighter, Alex, is confidence. Confidence, right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, P- Peter McNeil probably had probably had confidence going into fight Mike Tyson in that that last. I mean, like 80 with, seconds. when Buster Rhymes was Taekwondo versus Mike Myers, was he rapping "Break Your Neck"? No, Break he, your beeping neck. He, he was actually uh, dressed up like Michael Myers. So it was like Mike, oh, Michael Myers, Kung Fu, and Michael Myers. Yeah, that one will be on AMC as well. You know, you can check that one out. Probably that's, that's going to just it, it, yeah, that one's pretty bad, but um. You know, I, I enjoy all pretty much all the Michael Myers hey, movies. So, you know, hey, he was good in Finding Forrester. Yeah, <laughs> not Mike the, Myers. Yeah, bus a bus, bus a bus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Worked at Yankee yeah, Stadium. I mean, he's not terrible, but it's it's a little over the. I mean, it's over. It the sounds top. terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. But uh, you know, if you need some cheesy entertainment, it, it works. All right, as always on the Ends and Y'all podcast, we want to give you some must see TV. So. Lance, we'll start with you. What's your must-see TV this week? Well, you know, you guys know I've been on The Walking Dead, so that's been, you know, taking up a lot of my previewing time. But I'll give you guys a documentary series I watched a couple months back here on Netflix called Chef's Table Barbecue. And it's basically a five-episode documentary. And each episode features a new chef in the way that they, they go about their cooking. And it's very unique. It's not anything that I've ever really seen before. I mean, they have one guy who um, opens a restaurant in Australia and exclusively only cooks things over a wood fire. And that means, I mean, like talking your meats, your appetizers, your salads, your desserts, the whole menu 
is done over a wood burning fire in the kitchen. It's a very unique way to cook. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, every episode different. It's very different things. The last episode, I have not watched it yet, but the first four were, were excellent. You start with traditional barbecue, uh, of course, story. What the one lady that they feature initially, I think she's been cooking for like 75 years, something crazy. So it's just really interesting, um, you know, methodologies, world-renowned chefs uh, in their space. So, you know, I definitely encourage you guys to go check it out. All right. And that's Chef's Table on Netflix. Chef's Table Barbecue on Netflix, baby. All right. I've seen it on there. Sean, what you got this week? Yeah, so you guys know I got a little one, so there's been some late nights and just trying to find something to watch. I was on Netflix, and I came across Sherlock, and this one is the one that stars Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Martin Freeman. So Cumberbatch is obviously Sherlock Holmes. Martin Freeman's Dr. Watson. You probably know these actors. Benedict Cumberbatch has Doctor Strange in the Marvel series, and Martin Freeman is Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit, so immediately you have a very good cast and it's it's very dark uh you know benedict's uh the way he plays sherlock is is a lot different than the many sherlock holmes renditions that i've seen uh is he like a present day sherlock holmes i mean he's sherlock holmes but it's present day it is present day uh show was out between 2010 through 2017 only, I believe, like 26, 27 episodes. But they're like they're, hour and a half long or something? Yeah, they're hour and a half long, you know, shorter seasons. But, you know, I just started. I'm only on episode two, so I haven't gotten deep into this series. But I want to give you guys something that, that I'm watching now. Uh, I really like Martin Freeman's rendition of Dr. Watson because, you know, he, he's come back from Afghanistan, and, and that's his story. And he's got a wound and, and, you know, he's been diagnosed with PTSD, but really it's, he misses the war and, and, and his, his learnings of Sherlock and, and just, they don't trust him. And it's just a different take of it and just really good acting. And it's a lot darker than, than a lot of the series that I've seen in the past on Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, this one is it's been on my Netflix list for a while, but I just haven't ever started it. You know, the interesting thing about in the book, Watson it has just come back from the war. Right. And um I think it's India in the book. I think he was in the war in India. Mm-hmm. Um because the British were involved in a war there at one point or another. It could be in Afghanistan, but I'm pretty sure it's India. Um so yeah, that sounds like kind of a little bit more traditional take on Watson. A lot of times in in these movies or these shows, um, especially some of the older ones, like I was watching The Hound of the Baskervilles the other night on television with the kids, and it wasn't from the you know from the fifties or something. And Watson's just like this fuddy duddy doofus type character, and I'm like that you know I mean he, that's not really what he was like. I mean the guy was a war veteran, so he's yeah. not he's not a wuss, you know. He's I mean, sharp. He, yeah, I mean he's smart, you know, can keep up with Holmes, obviously. Holmes values his opinion enough to, to make him his, you know, right-hand man. So I don't like the, when Watson is kind of portrayed as a, you know, doofus. So I like the sound of, of this, this Watson. So that sounds like a cool show and I'm gonna have to give it a chance at some point. Um, mine is the Mandalorian season two is going to be released on Disney plus, I believe Friday. Um, I really enjoyed season one. 
my wife and I watched it and Disney Plus does it differently than Netflix. They only release one episode a week rather than all at one time. So you, you have to wait each week. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I really like it. For for big time space guy, I'm surprised you're not a Star Wars fan. Um, but I know you guys don't really like Star Wars, but I do. Um, but if you if I know you're not Star Wars guys, but it, you should give give the Mandalorian uh, a shot. It's kind of different. He's a bounty. It's a, he's a bounty hunter, and it's mm-hmm. kind of his story. Um, it's it's almost like a uh, a space western, if that makes sense. Um, if you like western movies, I think you'll you'll like this. He, it, it, because it just kind of has that feel, almost like um, the Clint Eastwood Man With No Name series where he just kind of travels around um, taking people on, doing doing things uh, where end up being good deeds where he's not necessarily like a good guy. He's almost like a, that anti-hero you think about, like the Punisher or something like that. Um, so it's a pretty cool show. I'm excited for season two to see what happens on The Mandalorian. Now, on that, I did watch the first episode of the first season when this first came out, and I did enjoy it, but I kind of got away from it because my I was just concerned that he wears that mask, obviously, the entire time. Mm-hmm. So the range of acting from the main character is limited when there's no facial features. Yeah. You know, and I, how did that play out? Because that was my concern, and I just got away from it and never got back to it, but that the the cinematography for this series definitely needs to be talked about because yeah. I believe that's 4K high def. And yeah, it's, it's sharp. It's, yeah, and uh, it's John Favreau. If if you know him, of Iron yeah. Man, Chef. I mean, he's done yeah. a ton of stuff. Um, this is his show. Um, yeah. So it, it, what you kind of see in season one from or in the first episode of that character is is kind of what you get from him. Um, whereas it's it's not so much the facial um, expressions as voice inflections that you have to get from him because he keeps that helmet on. Right. I think, and they make a big deal about that helmet. So I think at some point it's going to come off. Um, Brad you know, Pitt's going to be under right. Yeah, well, it's not Brad Pitt because you know we know who the guy that plays it is, but. Um, you, you got to imagine at some point it's going to come off. And you also have on the flip side of that, you, you get a, a really good supporting cast that you have. Bill that, Burr. You know, they have star. to play off of that guy. Yeah. Bill Burr was on the, sh- on, on it. Um, and he, he, it was funny seeing him on the show. Um, I think it's, I think it's Nick Nolte plays, play, he's not, uh, it's not, it's Nick Nolte's voice. He plays like an air, alien type character. Um, that is kind of pivotal in the first season. And so there's, there's some, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was well done. Lisa and I really, really liked it. So I'm looking forward to seeing season two. If you haven't watched it, even though you guys are not Star Wars fans per se, I think you'll like this like, just because I, I know that you guys like bounty hunter type movies or shows. You, you kind of like that, that action. You would enjoy this. Where to, does this set in like the Star Wars timeline? In the is universe, this a prequel. Yeah, so it's kind of like in between the time of um, the first three movies and the second three movies. So okay. if you know, like they made movies four, five, and six first. Those were the old ones from the seventies, and then they came back and did one, two, and three. Those are the ones that have like Samuel L. Jackson in them, um, Hayden, whatever his name is, Christensen, um, those ones. 
And so this kind of takes place in between those. Okay. Um, and you have Baby Yoda, which was all the rage when Mandalorian came out. And it's not the same Yoda that you see in the Fort. Uh, at least they're not Spoiler making alert. it. Well, they're not making it like that. Like they're they're not they're not saying that because because of the time frame. They're saying basically right. it can't be him. So they it's not necessarily spoilers. It's just basically how they're they're putting this in that in so the Star Wars universe. That's why I thought this was like a way way before ahead, right. because I see Baby Yoda's everywhere I walk. You know, right, and right, right. Storming. Yeah. So I think what they're trying to show is that there was a race of Yodas because that's I don't we don't really know what kind mm-hmm. of creature they are. Um, and that maybe old Yoda that you see with Luke Skywalker and stuff was the last of his race. We're not sure um, because he alludes to that there were others. And so we're kind of getting a glimpse of there There are others. There were others. And so it's, and it's interesting that the Mandalorian is protecting this baby Yoda, but the baby Yoda also still has the force and can do some stuff. And um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think you guys would really like it. Give it a shot. Um, you, you know, if you don't tell me, that's fine. But The Mandalorian Season 2 opens up on Friday. All right, I know that we had a few things on the grill this week, so we're going to jump into the concession stand just very quickly. Lance, what was on your grill this week? Oh, Sunday. I smoked some hot dogs. First time I've ever done that. I got all beef dogs, and uh, there's a there's a restaurant from our hometown called The Hot Dog Shop. And uh, it's a place that near and dear to all of our hearts because our pap used to take us there when we were kids. Um, it's you know when Alex and I roll into town, it's usually the first place we're headed to, uh, to to get our orders. And I'm a big you know I like the chili cheese dogs and the chili cheese fry. And my wife found a recipe online for the the hot dog shop chili and the hot dog shop cheese. Mm. And she made those. I made the dogs. It turned out pretty well. Awesome. They did look great. Um, put some of those pictures up on our on our social media so so the fans can check those out. Sean, what was on your grill this week? Uh, well, you know, I've been very busy, but we did we did do another <laughs> ham. And uh, you're having Thanksgiving every day. You're like twice day. a week at your house. So you're not. <laughs> well, you're not off, that busy. I see the pictures. Yes, but smoking a ham is simple. You know, I basically bought a spiral ham. It's already cooked. Already. You just got to reheat it. You're looking to get it back up to 140 degrees. And then I make a glaze that, you know, that I put on throughout the cook. The glaze just basically consists of brown sugar, orange juice, Dijon mustard, garlic powder, and honey. So it's got a nice sweet sweetness to it that gives you a little bit of a uh, char to the outside. And then uh, my father-in-law was here. He was in the fridge. And he said, well, I see some bacon in here. You want to make that? I said, hell yeah, I'll make some bacon. Threw that on after the ham, and I put the glaze on the on the bacon. Basically, made candied bacon. So we had <laughs> ham and bacon. You're gonna be four hundred so, pounds. So here's the and look, well, we gotta get amazing. you two on an exercise program amazing. here. Apparently, after all this cooking, well, I'm walking I'm back and forth from the grill to the fridge. <laughs> yeah. I'm on, I'm yeah. on one. Yeah, um, I I'm still kind of grillless at the moment, but. Uh, my wife is is sick at the moment uh, with COVID, and so I am I'm cooking all of a sudden, and I'm I'm cooking what she's got on our menu because that's what we have the groceries for. And so tonight w- we uh, we made pork sliders, and I'm not a huge pork fan. I'll eat it, but it's not my favorite. But basically, she had bought ribs 
that I put in the crock pot all day and seasoned with Memphis barbecue rub. I took them out at the crock pot. Um, I think you we did about sauce in with them, Alex. So they didn't yeah, dry so we, out or anything. We we uh, we poured Coke in the crock pot. Okay. Um, and and then with the, and put the dry rub on top. Let those cook on high for you know it's maybe about four hours and then about an hour and a half on low. Um, that that meat just you know crumbled. It were boneless, so but it was just softened them up. I took them out. I pulled it. I shredded the meat. Um, and I seasoned them really good again with the Memphis barbecue rub, just mixed it in really good in the meat. And then what we'll, she buys these, uh, Hawaiian slider buns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I put those, I put those, I put some butter on those, put those on the, on the, uh, on the skillet on the stove, just to brown those up real nice, give a little crunch to the bun, put that pulled pork on it, a little barbecue sauce and add some pork sliders and, and the barbecue was really good. Um, I'm again, I'm not a huge barbecue fan. It's not my favorite. I'll eat it if it's there, but I'm, you know, I don't go to restaurants to order that type of thing, but this was really good. It was really, really came out nice. The meat was tender. Um, the Coke, the, the Coke in the crock pot just allowed that meat to stay moist. And, um, even the kids said they liked it. So, um, so that was good. Anytime you can get them to eat, that's always a plus. So that's what I had, uh, this week in the concession stand. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this edition of the Yins and Y'all podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whichever podcasting platform you prefer. We'd appreciate it if you would rate us and leave a comment. It helps others find the podcast and helps us to improve. Make sure to follow us on all the social media outlets. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And Grayson says, whether you use Yins, Y'all, or something else, there's always a problem.